Welcome to the Cricket's Sidecar, where we go a little further into a story of note with the person who wrote it. Hello, uh, welcome back to the Sidecar Podcast, the Sidecar Intermittent Podcast from the Manchester Cricket. <laughs> I am Chris McGinn, the features editor here, with, of course, Erica Brown, our editor in chief here at the Cricket. Hello, Erica. Hey there, Chris. Welcome to 2023. Hey, happy new year. <laughs> Here we are. It's going to be awesome. I can tell already. Um, I agree. Yeah, right? We're off to a good start because we're here and we're doing this. We are. And we have a lot going on. We do. We do. Um, we have yet another wonderful edition of the paper. First and foremost, maybe we'll start at the beginning, which is this week, the paper has a wonderful image on the front of... I want to say a local author. She's actually from Cambridge. Her name is Allegra Goodman. Mm. And she wrote a, her most recent novel, of which she's written many, is called Sam. And it was set in much more local Beverly. Right? I know I, that Hannah Harlow, because uh, she was at the bookshop in Beverly Farms, and Hannah Harlow was really excited about it. Did And you were there. I was there, and Hannah wrote a great piece for us, sort of letting us know that Allegra would be at the bookshop signing her book. And I did. I went with a wonderful writer friend, and we went, and it was well attended. Wow. Allegra was delightful. Um, I'm definitely going to read the book. Um, yeah, and people mingled, and it was just a great event. It was wonderful to see a small bookstore, which is thriving, just yeah. having having a, a great turnout, lots of questions, lots of interaction. She read from the book, and it sounds delightful. It was I feel marvelous. like we have such a strong, and it's funny, I feel like this area has such a strong heritage, and you know, it's sort of just a rich vein for of writers, writers who True. are from here, who are active and interesting and, and recognized, you know, far beyond our region. And I'm wondering if other communities are as lucky as we are, or if this no, is just the way just it is. No, <laughs> no, because it does feel like it. I it mean, it's just, she's a, another interesting, vibrant, you know, writer who people are excited about. They come out for, she's interesting. She's registers on the larger scheme. Right. Exactly. Not, you know, beyond us. It's beyond our, our little microcosm yeah, here. Anyways, Absolutely. That's fantastic. Nice. So it was very, very good. So now I have to ask you if you can catch me up on something else that was clearly on the front page of the paper, which is town news for here in mm. Manchester. But first and foremost, tell me about the commuter overlay district. Yeah, what it's is the it? commuter rail overlay district. And um, that's sort of its uh, nickname. And the other nickname is the 40A, and that refers right. to the Massachusetts General Law 40A section, blah, blah, blah. But it's really something that's been a long time, and, you know, it's it's had a lot of um, notice that it's coming, and it's here. Okay, clearly. <laughs> so it, it, It's arrived. It, it really, it impacts, it's the state's desire. This was signed into law. It's, it's funny, I got an email last week from somebody who, because we've covered this, uh, she said, well you're really for the proposal, the 40A proposal, and it's going to change our lives, and that's terrible. <laughs> oh, think, goodness. Okay, exactly. <laughs> Hold so, on. first of all, it's not a proposal. It's a law. It's right. a law. It's a mandate. It was signed into law by Governor Baker in 2021, and it really is the state's effort to try to get out ahead of a couple things, and the biggest one is housing. And right, right, right. So what they've done is they've identified 175 municipalities in Massachusetts, Okay. And we have 340-something of them, so it's a lot of them, uh, that are serviced by the MBTA commuter rail line, the right. public transportation. And what they're doing is they're saying, 
take out a ruler, <laughs> do a, <laughs> an, a radius of a half a mile around that commuter rail station, and we're going to kind of, if you think about the carrot and the stick, this is really the stick, you really have to build in a district, a zoning district in the next two years that's going to emphasize multifamily housing. Like, right. they're going to make you be able to have multifamily units within a downtown district of a commuter rail station. Okay. Or there's the assumption that it's a, a downtown district around a commuter rail station, because you'd imagine it would be. Some towns don't have a downtown around a commuter oh, rail station. I think of Newburyport is a great example of that. Oh, that, that is. It's quite far off. Yeah. It's and then, on its own. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. on its own. Another one is kind of in between, Gloucester. Gloucester, if you really think about it, the main event you know, of downtown Gloucester is around the harbor, and it's yeah. Main Street and Harbor Loop, and it's that whole area. There's no train there. That's true. right. That's right. So that's kind of interesting. Manchester is. Yes. The, it's it's much more it typical. It's an old, right you know, of um, kind of antique, you know, historic downtown. Right. And here's the thing. The historic downtown his you know, most of the structures right downtown around the commuter rail station were built before zoning even existed. Right. As a result, they're much more dense than this zoning asks for. So we're kind of yes, set up. We're already, already kind of compliant, which okay. is kind of the good news. So I, that is something that they're trying to say. Here's the other good news: you have two years to vote whether you're going to opt in or out on this. Now, help and, me understand: if you opt in or if you opt out. There you go. That's it's that's good to know. You can opt out. Okay. Right. Right. So it, even though it's a mandate and even though it's a law. Okay. You can opt out, but that here's the stick part of what I just said. <laughs> here's where you get they, slapped. You really get slapped by the state <laughs> if you don't do it. They, they withhold MassWorks grant funding. Mm. You can, you're ineligible to apply for grants, and in particular, the MassWorks grants. And, and that's stuff like I've come across MassWorks for things like infrastructure. You want to put in a $2 million worth of a water and sewer extension or $3 million. You get a grant from the state. Makes it a lot easier to swallow. That's well, right. I shouldn't have used that term. <laughs> Water and sewer. <laughs> nice. But nice. um. But no, that's the kind right. of thing you will. You're you're on your own. You're okay. on your own and, to do those things. Okay. The other thing is they won't they won't fund upgrades to public housing. You know the housing authority. The Ma Manchester Housing Authority is really state housing, right? right? It's subsidized housing where you get a lot of it's elderly housing if you're on a fixed income for like social security. Right. But here's the joke to me: is one of the knocks on the state is that they haven't been funding the maintenance to their state <laughs> things. So the threat of taking away the maintenance funds <laughs> just take away the thing that they're not doing doesn't sound like yeah. it's very hard. <laughs> okay, to me. now you know. In all fairness to the state, I'm right. sure that they do fund the maintenance of their housing, right. you know, across the state. But I do know that that has been an issue. But it really okay. is a serious, you know, sacrifice if you decide to opt out. Right. So Manchester's about to go through a two-year, you know, the deadline for this is the end of 2024. Okay. It's going to have to get passed at town meeting. It's the beginning of a long kind of public outreach and education effort. Okay. I think they're going to really, and this is the last thing I'll say about it. Um, well, I'll say two things. So number one. I think the town is really going to benefit from, they're going to create a task force. And I hope that task force almost identifies lot by lot, which mm. ones comply and which right. ones don't so that it dimensionalizes it for people because people think, Oh my God, the downtown, we're going to turn into Boston. Well, Guess completely. what? I don't think the downtown can be built. The density can be more maximized. Honestly, right. I think there are certain properties and, t and streets like 
Tappan Street is 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 oh, a yeah, yeah. street. Spy Rock Hill is a street. Right. Uh, Beach Street going towards Singing Beach is there are some properties there mm-hmm. that would sort of be you know uh, eligible to this. kind of whatever. Yeah. I think going the other direction, there's some areas Lower Pine Street maybe. Uh, you know some of Bennett Street, although Bennett Street would be hard. Oh, Bennett Street is um, very dense. It's yeah. h- well, it's hard because the street is so small. Yeah. But we're gonna get into the details. Okay. That's what it is, and I All think right. it'll be interesting. Oh, actually, you know what's the biggest? I think opportunity probably for this. And I think it's already been identified. It's behind Town Hall, the American Legion Hall, and the Masonic Hall. Right, I know that's been talked about for a while. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that could be perfect. Okay. Okay. So there we go. They'll figure it out. They're going to have All a right. task force. That's what's going on. <laughs> Another lively town. And matter. yeah, exactly. The only <laughs> other thing. This is the last thing I'll say because I said I would say two more things. Yeah, and this right. is a second. This is a second. All thing. right. All of the towns on Cape Ann have to comply with this, right? Right. You, and this you is, you know, and it, it's, it's Rockport, Gloucester, mm-hmm. and Manchester, and Essex. Essex. And Essex. And Essex Where's doesn't the train not have station a train station. Essex. Station. So you've got to say, well, what's up with Essex? Well, the state, in all its wisdom, <sighs> calls them MBTA adjacent. Adjacent. <laughs> that is a stretch. Yeah. Poor Essex. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they're going to work on a lot of things. I think one of the big things that came up, and then I really will stop talking about it. Um, <laughs> Manchester, if you look at a radius, a radius is a circle. This was a great point. A big part of the circle is water. Yeah. So is the state going to adjust the numbers for communities like Manchester Mm -hmm. or Gloucester where the radius might not be buildable, right? The other thing is sea level rise. They have not accommodated for sea level rise, and Manchester and Gloucester definitely, maybe Rockport, much of the train beds go across filled-in mudflats, old mudflats. There's a more technical term for it, but whatever. Okay. I'll call it mud flats. Fine. They're filled in, they're fill, and they're in the FEMA flood zones for okay. sea level rise. Right, right, right. And yet you'd say, okay, well, the commuter rail, is it like what? And right now the state is not inclined to accommodate sea level rise. That doesn't mean they're really not going to accommodate it. It means that right now they're saying, you know, that's not for you to decide right now. Well, they're going to have to that's, cross that bridge, they're gonna so have to speak. Exactly. You know, completely. They're, that's inevitable. Exactly. So that's what's going on. It's, okay. it's, it's an interesting topic. It's Absolutely. fraught. It's fraught. It's high with emotion. <laughs> People say, oh, don't change my town and da-da-da. And you're like, yeah. okay. And it's all against this overlay of this massive housing crisis that really is a crisis across the country. It really is. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, there's a, there's a housing challenge that, yeah. that right. everyone's aware of. So well, there hopefully you go. we will deal with it as well <laughs> as we can and should. Now, having said that, you just brought up, obviously, the adjacent Essex. What's going on in Essex? Before we wrap up town news, what's happening in Essex? Well, the forgiving kind of quality to this whole thing, the the pressure valve, if you will, is the fact, and it is sort of serendipitous, is that Essex, apropos, like not even related to any of this stuff, was already dealing with kind of a existential reorganization of itself as it relates to zoning. And um, it has to do with, I mean, Essex for... You know, <laughs> zoning. Listen, <laughs> I got to tell you, when I was at an Essex town meeting, it was like a special fall town meeting in 2018, something like that. I remember this one guy appropriately wearing flannel mm. gets up and he says, let me tell you something. I, I forget what they were fighting about. They were fighting about something. Right. And he gets up and it was in the cafeteria of the Essex elementary school. And he says, let me tell you what I like about Essex. It's a little piece of New Hampshire. <laughs> That's what yes. I like. Bring, you know, essentially yeah, completely back just, off. 
you know, Can live free or die. Thing? Absolutely. I don't need the government telling me what to do. I'm perfectly fine by myself. Thank you very much. Right? There, That's, yeah. There's a lot this, of that kind completely, of... Completely. I think the spirit of Essex, I think when I moved there like five years ago, spirit, you I didn't have tude, to like fence your horses. <laughs> yeah. But it was like, this is awesome. Yeah. No, it's very kind, kind of, of like, we're, we're fine. Yeah. You know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps kind of thing. Well... Essex has a lot of new people who've come in. Mm. Essex has matured as a community yeah. a little bit. I, I shouldn't say matured because Essex is one of the most historic communities that we have in, in New England. Right. But um, really, it's kind of changing. And what's happening is the community is quite naturally saying, maybe we don't want everyone doing anything they want anywhere they want to do it. One of the things that, one of my favorite like stories since we're going down memory lane in, in Essex was, do you remember back in the day, like, this is like a couple years old. You'll remember this. Okay. All right. There was a guy who has, and he still is there. Um, he's got a, and I'm not going to say what the name is because that's not fair, but he's got an uh, automotive. Cars. He's, a, yes, he's got a car. He's exactly. got a dealership mm-hmm. and he also fixes cars, but he specializes in, in- sobs. I was going to say, yeah, European cars, especially Saabs. But Saabs. And Saabs, they are not made anymore. And That's so right. as a result, if you fix Saabs, what, what do you need? You need junked cars. You need old donor cars yeah, exactly. to get parts because they to don't harvest. support them anymore. Yeah. So at one point, he had over 50 cars <laughs> on his property that was essentially backed up into a residential neighborhood. Yeah. And his neighbors were like, and he put up some, the Arborvitae. I remember the Arborvitae. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't enough. And they were like, get those cars out of there. Right. And they came in, they said, oh, it's a health hazard, blah, 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 blah. He goes, oh, don't worry about it. Get rid of them. Don't worry. Okay. Gets rid of them. Everyone's happy. Within six months, he had 55 cars there. <laughs> like he didn't even listen. And by the way, <laughs> this is a guy who he was out of central casting, by the way. You hear him on the. You hear him oh, in a meeting. I love this. He's got a gravelly voice, like he's been smoking for sixty years. Right? First of all, and oh, so he's awesome to listen to. He's like, right. rah, rah, rah. and this is the best of town meeting. And by the way, what does he do for a living behind, besides fixed cars? It's not that what he does okay. for a living. What he is. This is no joke. A multiple <laughs> national champion, cigarette boat racing champion. <laughs> racing champion. He races those <laughs> massive. Basically, what I would call the Rottweilers of the water, oh my God, like Erica. those big, huge, <laughs> rawr, 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 you know, like you find see in Miami Vice back in the eighties. Okay. Yes. Wow, wow, wow! And Stop he it. is a champion. He's like a national number one, like top champion. Can Fantastic. you imagine the adrenaline and the testosterone <laughs> and the balls that it takes to to be that guy and take that guy? And put him into a select board meeting or a board of selectmen oh, meeting in Essex. See? And my, one of my favorite stories I've ever written for the cricket was when he had to go before, when he had gotten back to up over 50 cars, right, like right. after he'd promised no more cars. Right. But they didn't have a zoning to base rules to basically say, you're not allowed to do that. You can't no, do that. You could do it. It's anything. not appropriate. It was, yeah. There was nothing. So they were going with the only thing they had, his business license. Oh. Because that 
you get from the board of selectmen, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember he showed up, and Peter Fippen was on the board then. Oh, and I remember he was Peter. Peter, Peter, I remember he was he was uh, uh, he was kind of hard. He was the the bad cop in that scenario, really? and there were a couple of good cops, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> they they kind of were modulating. Managed but it. he sensed this guy who I will not name. He sensed it, and this guy was in, in impunity. He was unafraid, you know. Yeah, Come honestly, on. quite this honestly, is this, is, this is nothing. I've like <laughs> conquered, you know. Anyway, he comes in and there's a moment he thought his license was going to be taken away. This is his words. These are my favorite quote ever. He goes, please, my license is very dear to me. <laughs> he actually used the word dear like he was an 85-year-old grandmother. This guy with the gravelly voice, the cigarette please boat no. champion racer, he goes, my, my license is very dear, dear to, to me. me. It was a phrasing that was just so funny to me. And I just thought, wow. Okay, so. I love it. That's so see, Essex. this is why we that's need to Essex. preserve the spirit of Essex. Well, it's against that spirit that, that uh, zoning is actually happening. So yeah. back to what we were talking about. Right. This is serious. So Essex is actually has been in the process, and it started a year and a half ago at a town meeting they knew they needed to build in a downtown retail district. They needed right. to make it a business district. Yeah. And they were one of, I think, seven municipalities left in Massachusetts that didn't have any districts. Only uh, one district in the entire, the whole town was a district. You could, you could do residential, you could do industrial, you could do commercial, you could do retail. Anywhere you wanted. Anywhere, right next it to each other. It was all free. Yep. Guess what? Nearly all of those other municipalities, and there are precious few of them, they're all out west. They're all in the Berkshires. Sure. They're all like little towns, and that you know, right. Essex really had to kind of, you know, move it makes into sense. downtown. Other... Has been developing exactly. and growing, and everyone's it excited. It needed to progress, and... so they created a downtown, and at the same time, they put a moratorium on changes of use from residential to commercial. So, in okay. other words, they and they started a clock ticking. And basically said, we're going to do a moratorium. And in the meantime, we're going to plan for the whole Megillah, the whole town. That's what's happening there now. So getting back to this commuter rail district, right? Right. You could say that, oh my gosh, that's a traumatic thing that is being foisted upon Essex. But Essex isn't really complaining because they're basically saying, okay, they're also very grant friendly. That's mm-hmm. another thing they do. They do a lot of grants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're very clever with their budgets and they Essex take is advantage. Just very clever. They're yeah, very they're clever. Smart. Yep. Awesome. As of Manchester's the opposite. Manchester, they do grants, but there's a big contingent of people that are like, we don't we're suspicious of grants. Grants mean well, that you're um, going into the um, you're gonna have to comply with the state's agenda, somebody else's right. agenda that's far away. They don't understand us. We'd rather forego the money. Sure. And go it alone. Essex is like, give me the money and I'll make it work for us. Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So they're going through this process right now. And okay. we're going to see a lot of changes in Essex. And what they're going to do is they're going to take it bite by bite. They're not going to try to do it all at once. Okay. If I were to predict, over the next two years, you would see Essex pass things at town meeting that will shape and grow and, and create a base for an economic base or economic revenue, economic development, which they want and they mm-hmm. need to, that would lure companies in and actually have a spectrum of business that could actually contribute quite significantly to the coffers of, right. of the town, which there you go. Okay, good. Fantastic. So much good Did stuff. Did I just answer? Like, I basically just gave you a <laughs> 10 word 
appropriate, <laughs> something that could have been answered in 10 words in like, that's just not 120 words. No, that's not what this is about because we just got so much, so much color and, and texture and that's, that's all good. And cigarette boat. And cigarette boat racing, which I haven't thought racing. about in a decade. Okay. Well, have you ever thought about it? Be Maybe. serious. It's possible. <laughs> I never had. <laughs> all right. Well, good. Well, never dull in either of our towns, of course. So now moving on through the paper a little bit, we have a kind of not, not really a part two from our, we have this mm. wonderful thing called postcards home, which has been a historic sort of part of the paper for a very long time where people go on a trip and then they mail their stories into the paper or bring them in as we have today. And we have our local veterinarian who writes for us, Larry Lamb, who's mm-hmm. also an avid traveler who had been to the Galapagos Islands on a trip a while back that was unfortunately cut short by illness. Exactly. So he returned and wrote a return to Eden for us. Yeah, that was such a great story, wasn't it? I mean, it's interesting. I I didn't want to, you know, I thought, well, he went on the trip. He wrote a postcard home. It was great. I didn't, I I was like, do I want to, do we want to see another story about the same place? Yeah, I remember this discussion. I'm corrected. Turns out. We I do. That was really amazing. It was amazing, and and first and foremost, you when you crack open the paper, you'll notice the the spectacular photography, which mm-hmm. is such a just a gift. Having said that, this the story that he wrote was about you know really substantive things, not only embracing this sort of unique situation where humans are very much a backdrop to nature. My personal favorite part of the story is how at the end he waded into this idea that we really need to look at establishing more of a legal protection for natural ecosystems mm-hmm. and and that Ecuador has really been on the forefront of having made nature legally protected and having rights and we get to see what that looks like or he got to see what that looks like and he shared it with us. Yeah, it was really interesting. He went on this trip, it was 20 people on a, on a boat and they went in you know, the Galapagos Islands and then in, in through Ecuador to the Amazon rainforest, which a lot of people think of Brazil as being sort yeah. of the way in. And so it was this kind of Ecuadorian orientation. And yes, it's interesting for Americans to go to another country where they have different formats and different approaches for the things that we think we're so proud of. Mm. Like equal rights is something that you just sort of touched on. Right. And Ecuador has written into their constitution, apparently, that nature has equal rights to human beings. Yes. Like That's e- legal rights. They, equal legal rights. Yeah, you don't and in a world personhood, where like, but yes. You know, well, um, you know, we think of... Uh, where corporations have equal... Patagonia, who yeah. made the earth its sole shareholder. But this is different. I mean, of course it's different, but... Yeah, no, no, no. Um, definitely it's different. And I think of like when I when I was in Mexico and I down near Belize, uh, very south on the Yucatan Peninsula, it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site called the... Uh, it's called the Biosphere. It, yes, sounds, yes. Very, it sounds very generic, but it, it's really an interesting, amazing place. But one of the things I found interesting, most interesting about it, besides the fact that it was just a wonder, a natural wonder that everyone should go and visit, is that the Mexican government, the government in Mexico, apparently, and I didn't study this, I just got this from the people who were there, Mm -hmm. that site is actually run by essentially an extended network of families, indigenous families, um, 300 or so people who are essentially owners of the biosphere. 
but they don't have ownership because of their indigenous culture. Mm -hmm. They don't have ownership of land in the same way that we think of ownership as land. And what the Mexican government did a long time ago was they entered into a partnership with those families. And they said, mm -hmm. if you'll be the caretaker of this essentially federal park, right? Mm -hmm. It's a national park, mm -hmm. not unlike Zion or what we know. Right, right. But this is the biosphere. They caretake it and they enable these owners to collectively be able to make revenue from it, but only through it. So it's a no, new way of ecotourism. Right. But they have an obligation and a responsibility to care for this at a very, very high standard. Mm. So that kind of approach is very similar to the creative approach that was talked about in this piece by Larry. Yeah, um, about sort of Ecuador and what their approach was to ecotourism, because of course they're number one. I mean, you know, American. I think all everyone he was with was American. Yeah, it would, it on would his seem, trip, it would seem yes. Yeah, yeah. so it was really interesting, and he had some great. You know, my gosh, well, the the red-footed booby, the red-footed booby, and then there's also the blue-footed booby. By the way, they're both birds. <laughs> <laughs> and the the tortoises yeah, and the iguana. Oh the my iguana, gosh! Which is and then those sea lions. I yeah. mean, the sea lions—they basically pose. They—they are no, they, so. They do. There is one here in front of us. Exactly. The they're like this. preen. They yeah. preen and pose oh, yeah. because and they know. I mean, animals—they're so the nature. They're so smart. They know that they're not going to be. They're not in danger because, you know, the human beings that are around them are unable to hurt them right so they are protected <laughs> as it turns out and they're smart enough to say hey this is pretty cool right? i'm gonna, I'm gonna pose for you. you want a picture absolutely <laughs> let's all let's all do it so yeah it was it was, was a particularly wonderful piece for that reason it, it was a travel piece but it was more than that it was a, and leading into the new year you know something to think about as we make our own decisions about you yeah. know how we move through and that postcard home is a nice feature the last one we did was deb blanchard who went to and she climbed mount kilimanjaro oh, right from tanzania and you're right, it does come from, it's a historical, or it has historical significance for the paper, but it's um, a version of something that used to be done by the founding editor of the newspaper back in the um, early 1900s or mid 1930s. He traveled around the world and he used to write home letters um, that always started dear folks back home and they would run it on the front page of the paper. So this is another version. So if anybody's taking any trips right. and is interested in participating, they should get in touch with us because we work with you to edit the piece and, and everyone's got such good cameras these days that the photos are just spectacular. And we've done everything from um, Bailey Buchanan uh, going on the weekends to climb the white uh, mountains New Hampshire, in yeah. New Hampshire so, to West Virginia. Um, oh, the, gentleman, the, oh, my oh, gosh. They, they worked on the home together. Almo yep, that was almost heaven. Almost, almost heaven, heaven, West Virginia, which is actually a place. Which is actually a place for that, Habitat for Humanity. Exactly, that sticks with me. I, that's actually on my yeah. to-do list with yeah. the family. because. So, so And now, I mean, if I may, I we've been talking about something that uh, for a postcards home that I think you should, I, that you were talking about with yep. Erica Brown may have something coming our way. That's, After four years, or five years, I'm finally going to do one, and yes. um, it's going to be for a trip to California. I don't want to say too much, but it does right. have a surprising and deep connection to Manchester by the sea, and that's why I'm doing it. And Good. it's really interesting. Yeah, I, it, at least it was interesting to me. When you mentioned it, I think it's going to be very interesting. So I hope you do it. We All look right. forward to it. Well, there All we right. go. Another... Anything you're working on? 
So at the moment, um, yes, I have a little bit of a New Year's Eve piece coming up, speaking of regeneration, a little bit of an environmental piece coming up. And mm -hmm. then in the hopper are two, well, three foodie pieces, because I'm always writing about food. Mayflower Bakery is going to be opening oh, up in yeah. Essex, answering yeah. all of my yeah. personal prayers to God. Next we door need a bakery. to We Dream in Color. Next door to We Dream in Color, um, which is going to be great. And we, across we're the miss street from Spindler Essex. Antiques. Yes. We're going to miss Spindler. Essex River Dogs, but we aren't upset to be welcoming Mayflower Bakery. And then I can say it out loud. Willow Rest is going to be opening up something in Beverly Farms, where mm -hmm. Vidalia used to be. Well, so they that's come happening. by that honestly, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Melissa's mom, and yeah. so, um, so yeah, I've got some some good stuff coming. I'm I'm excited. So look for those. We love Marilyn. I hope she's not going away. Oh, I don't think Marilyn's going anywhere. <laughs> I think we're just going to get more from of Vidalias. Yeah, in, I think I think Farms. that the the word is is that um, we're going to get more of Glenn. So Melissa and Glenn are the mm -hmm. couple that are Willow Rest, mm -hmm. and the, Willow Rest in Gloucester. Well, I'm by sorry, the way. Willow Rest. Um, the way Gloucester. to Anasquam that's lovely. Go eat there as much as you can. Eat anything. Yeah, it's all good. It's like, all good. You can't go wrong. <laughs> and like try to like get to know Melissa because then like you'll be able to hug her and she'll say hi on the way in, which just makes the whole thing all the much better. But Glenn is always quiet and in the background, but Glenn makes the best soups and is actually very much back there cooking. And as I understand it, the new place in Beverly Farm will be more of Glenn's place. Oh, so we're going to get great. to see a little more of Glenn, who's been a little bit like Snuffleupagus. Like, yeah. you know, where's, where, who's Glenn? Where's Glenn? <laughs> so we're all excited to, to see what happens there. Well, there's so. nothing like the BLT at, at uh, Vidalia's. I BLT would know. Is amazing. <laughs> It'll continue to be amazing. I'll do the LT. I, I, <laughs> I'll, I'll go for that. I can't imagine that's them having soups there. That'll be lovely. Oh, yeah. Totally. So and there then everything is. else. All right. Well, All thank right. you so much. Another I love that we're doing paper. this again, honey. Me too. Me too. This is awesome. All right. Till next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidecar. To hear more Cape Ann stories like these, subscribe to the Sidecar podcast from thecricket.com on your favorite podcasting platform.